My name is Boyd Varty. I think of myself as an artist of experience. My passion is to create transformational experiences for myself and others as a way to explore what it means to truly live. My central exploration is to live on what I would call the track of your life. To me, this is to live courageously towards the discovery of what you are called to and to what life asks of you. So much of how I live has been informed by my passion as an animal tracker. I'm following the trail of my own life and reporting back. This show is a daily broadcast from a treehouse on the Londolozi Game Reserve in the wild eastern part of South Africa. Londolozi is a 14,000 hectare wilderness reserve adjacent to the Kruger National Park. The land is home to lion, leopard, rhino, elephant and buffalo, as well as a variety of other animals. I am your host, Boyd Varty. My goal is to spend 40 days and 40 nights alone in the wilderness to explore the archetype of the mystic in nature and hone my skills as a tracker. These are my daily stories. Day 28. Call me crazy. Journal entry. You would be amazed at how far crocodiles move at night. I found myself following the distinctive track for at least two kilometers. They're pretty easy to follow as their tail leaves a nice drag mark. I've seen many crocodile tracks, but haven't followed them as far as I could ever. And that really captures the core of this experience from a tracking point of view. I've spent a lot of time in the bushveld, but in this experience, by nature of the elements and the time and the vicinity and the solitude, I've been taken deeper. I have the will and the mindset to find out where crocodiles go. I have the time to be immersed in patterns that appear random when you just go out for a few hours. There's a rhythm and a timing to the bird party's movement each day along the river bank. Certain birds prefer to land in particular trees. It's not just a bird in a tree. There is a preference and an order and an intention. Like the black-headed oriole that likes to come to my tree at mid-morning for caterpillars. And the green wood hoopoos that go down the southern bank from ebony to ebony around 10 a.m. To become attuned to this makes one infinitely more aware as a tracker. It's an understanding of a certain individuality to each creature that can easily get lost if you're just referencing out of guidebooks and manuals. Of course, even deeper is the fact that naming anything takes you a little bit away from it. There is a Zen koan. A glass of water is on the table. The question is asked by the master, what is that? The students say repeatedly what they think it is in different ways. A glass, water, a glass of water. Eventually they say, tell us master, what is that? In response, the master picks up the glass and drinks. The master making the point of pure experience. I feel the same out here. Nothing can touch the supremely intangible nature of the pure experience of uninterrupted self in relation that occurs here. And that's not to say I don't irritate myself because I do. 
have an immensely irritating habit of pu putting used matches back in the box. All over the camp are boxes of useless matches. I know I have to stop this, but it's weirdly habitual. It's driving me a little bit crazy. I'm driving myself crazy. And as a result, I have developed much more respect for what married people must put up with in each other. From a spiritual point of view, the other truth is that mind simply changes out here. Mind is calmer, alerted to the moment. The thought load of future or past is replaced by an immediacy of attention. It engages in tangible tasks. Mind recruits the body. Mind is a, in a kind of constant creative response to its environment. Mind is very different out here. And I think I can say that because I honestly tend to run pretty anxious. The reason I bring this up is that I believe this is how we were for thousands of years. All the yoga, meditation apps, breath work, all the practices we do now, all the seeking for happiness, optimization, high performance, whatever your brand is, it's to try and find this mind, clear and at peace, with right action arising, present, open. In short, how we were when we lived in nature more closely. That seems outrageous to me. And well, obviously we can't all go live in trees in the wild, but it's worth noting that if we could, most of us would be closer to enlightenment by quite some margin, and much happier and at peace. And I know one loses people here when you talk like this. You lose the skeptics and the realists and the hard-nosed. But you shouldn't because there are real opportunities to questioning how we get off the progress train with nuance. How do we take some incredible advancements with us and also face the, the truth that not all progress is progress? We have to face the fact that working out how to make a more sustainable way of living for everyone means we have to accept that the emperor has no clothes. Modern life ain't it all it's cracked up to be. And it's certainly worth some of your capacity to innovate if you have kids before they're teenagers and looking at you like you're a relic. I personally think like life architecture is an, as an activism is a very engaging way to spend the blink of an eye we all get. It's worth noting too that for hundreds of years we lived doing the things we now do to recreate and feel good. Hunting, fishing, weaving, crafting, smoking, ceremony, dance, gratitude, communion. This way was the way of the native people. It's the way people lived for hundreds of years before the vision to manifest destiny. And I know, I know, it's easy for me to become the ramblings of a mad tree man. But it's just so hard to miss the real madness once you're out here. We would cut down a 300-year-old tree in the Russian taiga to make chopsticks for expatriates to eat sushi in a new mall in Shanghai. We would spend $25 for a bottle of water from Fiji, bottled at the source in plastic, and flown thousands of miles to a $600 broom closet hotel room in New York, where it's a scorching summer's day in midwinter, and CNN is running a countdown to the next debate, where two white dinosaurs will duke it out to write the policy for a world they won't live to see and can't begin to imagine. 
and who will frankly win or lose depending on the scope of the finance they receive from the corporate-backed super PACs who fund them and actually own the government. Meantime, your plastic bottle of water made it to the ocean where it killed a dolphin. <laughs> I'm sorry if I sound mad, but this shit ain't working anymore. Here's a few common sense things the president should actually do. Ban all plastic packaging. Invest billions in large-scale permaculture. Radically shift to alternative energy. Replicate South Korea's waste management system nationally. It's amazing. Mandate mayors to radically transform cities to green models. <laughs> so what should we do if we can? Well, I reckon if you can land three from the list below, you become the movement. Go to places that have low densities of people. Be close to your water source. Create a small community that is independent but interdependent. I'm not talking commune, I'm talking about affiliations of alternate skills, diversity. Grow stuff, especially food. Use modern technology appropriately and blend it with ancient wisdom. Alternate energy and firelight, for example. Create a small autonomous pocket of light that you live in. A model that can be replicated. Can be an apartment, a house or a huge piece of land. But when people come there, they must enter a different consciousness. You can be the architect of that. Spend lots of time outdoors in nature. Take time each day to be still. Foster relationships with living things, plants, animals, people. Create, imagine, play. If you forgot, work out how to remember. Don't consume too much content. Understand your children will be most focused on what you focus on. Cook together and eat at a table. Create nohana, a chosen spiritual family. Have a dip in sacred plants. Restore wild places. Engage in consumer refusal and do whatever it takes to heal yourself. And understand that that's for the world. I'm sorry, I think I did get on a bit of a tear there. Okay, well I think I made my point. It's funny how quickly in this world when you start talking sanity you sound crazy. Right now I'm reading two of the most beautiful books. The one is called Braiding Sweetgrass. The other is a novel called, called Overstory. Both speak to this incredible intelligence of plants and trees. It's strangely meta that those two books just happened to be in the house unread for two years before I left and are the ones that I picked up. In Overstory, the trees start to call a totally discordant and unexpected group of people together. You know if you called, you just do. It shows how a forest is not a collection of trees, a forest is one living thing. It's weird that a book about people being awakened by trees comes to me when I'm living in a tree. Is that weird? The spiritual teacher Eckhart Tolle estimates that about 30 million people are in the process of awakening in the United States. Waking up to the dream we have been in. Waking up to the idea that we have to begin to live with a different consciousness. About the same number of people in Europe are in the awakening process. I've always believed that the restoration of the planet will come out of a radical shift in human consciousness. In fact, it can't come out of anything else. If a hundred million people could wake up, that could make a new earth. I'm seeing very clearly, but that part isn't the challenge. The challenge is to live what you see. 4-0, out. This has been another episode of the Track Your Life podcast with Boyd 
Varty. Follow us on Instagram at Boyd underscore Varty, Twitter at Boyd Varty, visit Boyd's website at boydvarty.com or subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. Please rate and review this podcast so that more people can find and enjoy it.